0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post online devotional. We are, for those of you that have been following along, we are going through the uh, book of 1 Corinthians and we are now in chapter 9. We're going to be taking a look at verses uh, 13 to 18 and I'm going to jump in as is my custom. It's a a lengthy passage, so this will probably be part 1. And we'll come back with a part two another time. So, getting into the text, Paul writes, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me for it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? When I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, That I that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. As mentioned in our earlier devotional, we continue to delve into Paul's defense within the current context. In verse 3, Paul asserts that his defense to those scrutinizing him serves as an apparent response to individuals who question the authenticity of his apostleship. Our previous devotional outlined several potential reasons for the skepticism. However, The preceding passage suggests that one aspect under scrutiny was Paul's entitlement to compensation for his efforts in the kingdom. Paul provides several reasons justifying his his right to receive compensation for his labor. He employs several examples from everyday life, such as a soldier, a farmer, and a shepherd. He argues that individuals who toil in a specific field have a legitimate claim to the benefit from their labor. To bolster his case, Paul further draws an analogy to the Old Testament practices related to the support of the Levites and priests who ministered in the Temple. This line of reasoning indicates that some question the legitimacy of Paul's receiving support for his ministry. By drawing parallels to common occupations and Old Testament practices, Paul aims to demonstrate that it's not uncommon or unjust for those dedicated to the work of the Kingdom to be supported in their efforts. His defense becomes crucial in addressing doubts about the sincerity and validity of his apostleship. Well, then we have the examples of the Levites. In this verse, Paul is making a point about the support and provision for those who served in the temple ministry, and in doing so, the premise he uses can be found in Numbers 18, 8-20. We would recommend one read the full passage, but for today's point, we will only cite verse 20 and then provide brief context. So, the verse says, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them, as I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Notably, the Levites were chosen for the unique role of priests due to their faithfulness during a crucial moment in Israel's history. As the book of Exodus recounted, when the Israelites, led by Moses, worshipped the golden calf at Mount Sinai, The Levites were the sole tribe that abstained from participating in this idolatry. Recognizing their loyalty and zeal for his commands, commandments, God selected the Levites for distinctive service in the temple um, and later on, at the tabernacle rather, and later on in the temple. Their responsibilities encompassed the upkeep of the sanctuary assistance to the priest, and various worship-related tasks. This consecration of the Levites reflected God's acknowledgement of their faithfulness and dedication to worshipping the true God. However, upon entering the promised land, the Levites did not receive a portion of land. This lack of land inheritance symbolized the idea that God himself was their inheritance, as explicitly stated in Numbers 18.20. While the Levites were without tribal territory, they were provided with cities dispersed throughout the territories of the other tribes. These cities were were known as Levitical cities, and they served both as residences for the Levites and centers for their priestly functions. This arrangement is detailed in Numbers 35, uh, verses 8 to 1, and also in Joshua 21. The primary means of sustaining the Levites was through the tithes and the offerings brought by the other Israelite tribes. People were instructed to give a tenth of their product and livestock as outlined in passages like Numbers 18 and Deuteronomy 14. In a symbolic and spiritual sense, the Levites were informed that God himself was their inheritance, underscoring their unique role and reliance on God for provision. The concept of tithing in the Hebrew Scriptures and The modern practices of tithing differ in several ways, including the nature, purpose, and application of the tithe. For instance, in the Old Testament, tithing was primarily an agricultural and livestock based system. People were required to give a tenth of their produce, such as grains, fruits, livestock, as a religious offering to support the Levites and priests who served in the temple, uh, uh, tabernacle rather, or temple. While in modern times, tithing often extends beyond agricultural products. Many contemporary religious traditions interpret tithing as giving a tenth of one's income, and the emphasis is placed upon financial contributions rather than specific agricultural products. The primary recipients of the tithe in the Old Testament were the Levites who had no inheritance of land, and the priests who served in the sanctuary. Tithes. The tithe served as a sustenance for those dedicated to religious service. In modern practices, tithes are often directed towards the upkeep of religious institutions, clergy salary, community projects, and other charitable causes. The recipients may include religious leaders, church staff, and the church itself. The Old Testament prescribes various tithes, including the tithe for the Levites, the feast, and the poor. Occurring every third year. The total percentage could exceed 20% in some cases. Today, tithing is often simplified to a regular practice of giving 10% of one's income, typically monthly or weekly. Tithing in the Old Testament was mandated by the Mosaic law, and failure to tithe was considered a violation of God's commands. And you can see Malachi 3 8 uh, to 10 for that. Today, tithing is a voluntary act of worship and generally, uh, and uh, act of worship and generosity rather than a legal requirement. Okay, so practical application in the New Testament, the obligation of tithing is not articulated in the same authoritarian manner as it was in the Mosaic Law in the Old Testament. Nevertheless, the Scriptures offer guidance on giving promoting generosity and supporting the ministry's endeavor the new testament sets forth principles for managing finances highlighting the importance of voluntary voluntary and a joyful spirit in giving a pertinent passage in second corinthians, uh, 2 corinthians uh, chapter 9 reinforces this perspective it says remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows gen- generously will also reap generously Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." This scripture underscores the New Testament stress on giving with a willing and joyful heart rather than as a strict legal obligation. Furthermore, we witness early believers exemplifying this principle through their generous support for one another as seen in the following passages now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of the week. Each one of you should set aside some money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. As mentioned, the New Testament doesn't prescribe a specific percentage of income for tithing. Instead, it encourages believers to contribute generously willingly and joyfully to uphold the ministry and assist those in needs, the emphasis lies on cultivating a generous spirit and a sincere desire to contribute to the welfare of others rather than a rigid adherence to a fixed amount of money.